So we are the healed of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so Sister McKinney is wenting. Yeah. Yeah. You do sound better. You were real gunky yesterday, but God, God helped you. So, and us too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I was throwing vitamin C uh, lozenges out the door of the office. I said, "Not night here." Praise the Lord. But anyway, God is good. Amen. His mercy endures forever. He is our only help, our only healer, our only one. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. So today we're going to talk about protecting your harvest, protecting your harvest, because that is our responsibility. We God has given us seed to sow. The Bible says he put within every living thing seed reproducing after its own kind. So the seed is there already. The Bible also says he gives seed to the sower. Amen. He gives bread to the eater. And he multiplies the seed that we sow. So then he is the Lord of the harvest. He oversees the harvest. Amen. But then there's work that we have to do. And so we, we have to understand what our role is and follow through on our part so that we can receive the harvest that God has intended for us to receive. It's so important that we understand the principles of the, the seed and the sower. Um, maybe I'll read that now. <clears throat> I was going to go to it in a minute, but I'll do that now in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. And we know this one backwards and forwards, but the one thing that Jesus did say is that if we don't understand this parable, how are we going to understand the rest of them? So this one really is the foundation of all teachings that God gives us from the beginning. He started out with seed, amen, and he put seed in each living creature to reproduce after its own kind. So that's a foundational uh, principle of, God, of life, period, of God, of God's kingdom, of life here on earth, all of that. These are foundational principles. So as you understand about seed time, harvest, sowing, harvesting, uh, how to guard over your seed, all of those things, you begin to understand life in God's kingdom. Because I believe if we understood how important it is, what we do, every activity you participate in is a seed. It will bring something into your life or it will inhibit something from coming forth in your life. And so if we understood that more fully, we'd be more... Um, I think more determined to sow for good things. You know, we would have only good coming up in our lives if we understood the principle the way we're supposed to understand it. People would say things about Brother Hagen. He said, they say, I never heard him say a bad thing about anybody. And it was because he didn't want to waste his, his uh, seed, you know, over things that he didn't want to see happen or weren't important for where he was going in the kingdom. And so we can all have that discipline. I think we look at it and think, boy, uh, you know, boy, how can you live like that? Well, he did it. You, know, you can live any way you want to. It just depends on how determined you are to see good happen in your life. So Jesus explains this parable, and I want you to drop down to 15. We talked about the different types of soil 
that this particular seed fell in. And so <clears throat> we all want the hundredfold return. We all want the highest yield. But we need to know how to get that when it comes to day-to-day living. The highest yield comes from the purest soil that the seed was planted in. So the soil really is our hearts. It's not somebody's ministry and what they do with your money, you know. So um, we need to talk about that for a little bit because what I feel happened was that there was strife introduced into our teaching on prosperity, seed sowing, faith, all that kind of stuff. So let me just read what it says. Verse 15 says, but that which was sown on good ground are they. These are the people that with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience, not with anxiety, not with not trusting God, thinking he's cheating you because you don't have it yet. Not with fear, like you can't trust God with it, amen, but with patience. Patient people have confidence in what they're doing. They know it's going to happen. They're not in a hurry for it because they trust the Lord of the harvest that when it's time to harvest that crop, it'll come forth. Greed usually is the trigger man with impatience. You'll see uh, people who, and there's nothing wrong with trying to improve on on your crop yield. There's nothing wrong with it. But why do people want to make improvements so they can produce more, sell more, make more money? Amen. Your heart, the condition of your heart has little to do with that aspect of life. What, What God's talking about here is people who love God, appreciate his word, and want to live by those rules. That's it. And so when you when you know you love God, you want to live by his rules, you're not impatient for anything. You're content because you've got the best part of what God has to offer, and that's relationship with him. Amen. You have understanding of the mysteries of God. You, life is not baffling you anymore. You have access to everything that you need relationship-wise with God. And so if you trust him, you know that he'll supply every single need that you have. So you're not lacking in anything. Amen. So when you have a good heart toward God, you love him, you appreciate him, you honor him, you want to please him, you want to do the things that are pleasing to him. And it's that soil that cultivates the word that allows the word to grow, that atmosphere feeds the word so that it grows and it gives you maximum yield in your life. Maximum yield being that you you can walk in every aspect of God's word without fear that it's not for you. See what I'm saying? Without fear that God isn't going to bless you. Without fear that God isn't going to take care of you. So you can get excited about Amos 9.13. Because you know it's coming your way. Amen. So when you plant your, your seed, when you cultivate the soil of your heart, that's, that's your main way of protecting your harvest. Now, when, let me just give you the notes that I wrote. It says here, I put here, the tithe protects.
protects the growth of your seed. Because God says in Malachi 3.10, what will he do for you? He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. That means that those elements that would take away from your yield, he protects that. And you have to know that it's possible to have that automatically done for you. Because there's so many things that can happen that we don't see, we don't have control over, we don't know. So there's a reassurance there. Oh, I can rest and be sure that when I give, I'll get what God says I'm going to give because he's rebuking the devourer for me. Amen. Because I have a covenant with him that says if I give the first tenth, then he'll make sure that everything that I plant comes up and it grows. Then all I have to do is wait for the harvest patiently and go out and receive what he has for me. But then there's one thing we don't always factor in, and that's the thief. Amen. Amen. So the thief is your responsibility. (laughs) Whether you tithe or not, the thief is still out there. He's, you must tend your own garden of your heart so that the thief doesn't enter in and steal from you. Amen. He doesn't enter in and steal. So the thief is still at large. So whether or not you're a tither, you will have to fight your own war to protect your harvest and bring it all in. As we live for God, our acts of obedience are producing a harvest. Not obedience to just the word you're interested in, but to the word period. Amen. There are going to be some things God is going to require of us that aren't going to be so pleasant for us. Amen. They're not going to be so pleasant for us. And so when we understand that God is is causing us to be instant in obedience in season and out of season. Out of season is when you don't want to do something. You know, it's something that you really like and you want to hold on to. Or something you know you should cease doing it and you keep doing it anyway. See, these are in season, out of season things. And I'm not talking about sinning openly going out robbing somebody or doing something really really wrong as we might uh, phrase it but there are attitudes and and uh habits that we have sometimes that just don't tend toward our edification in the spirit and so this is what god's after he's after that maturity that mature love that he's going to bring about in each and every child of god he's after more than your no-no's so, I mean, seriously, it, it, we're way beyond that, folks. We were beyond that when we got saved. Amen. Because he, he wasn't so interested in your actions and your activities, but he was more interested in the condition of your heart and whether your heart was totally yielded to him. That's what he wants. He wants people that have hearts that are totally yielded to him. Why? It's for our best good that we, we live that way. Amen. It's for us. So, We need to know that our prayers are activated by faith. The seed of the word is planted in the soil of your heart. A pure heart brings the greatest yield. That's why we're told to guard our hearts with all diligence. Amen. Proverbs 4.22. Because out of your heart comes the issues of life. So life enters issues forth out of your heart. Amen. The things that you desire, that's where you live. The things that you want to see happen in your life, that's where you live. The things that you want to be able to plan for, that's where you live. 
we need to always be involved in planning something with God. Uh, you know, people live with so many regrets, misgivings, you know, and then fears of the future. You know, we kind of like live in a box sometimes. Your past failures uh, cause you to live in a box of regret. Your fears of the future cause you to live in a box of regret. You can live in a box all your life, or you can come out and begin to live for God. And so God wants us to drop all of our nonsense, you know, your mental gymnastics. I can't do this. I shouldn't do that. Well, if I would do this. And, I, and just let him have it. Let him have your now. Let him have your future. Let him have your past. Let him have all of that. And thereby guarding your heart diligently against things that would come in and steal the harvest from you. Your harvest is what God wants you to begin to live for, knowing that there's fruitfulness coming in your life, knowing that there are good things coming in your life. It's not just material things. It's, it's good fellowship. It's a good conscience. It's a good night's sleep. It's good health. It's good, a lot of good things come. Amen. Issue forth out of your heart. And so he wants us to enjoy life in the sense that we live free from guilt, condemnation, fear, all the things that used to put us in the box back in the, you know, when we lived for the devil. Now he wants us out of the box so we can finally live for him. And don't let your past start creeping up and in, in causing a stumbling block to where you're going. See, it's so easy to do that. You know, if you, you sit up and think about some things that you would like to do if only, you know, well, put those before God. God, is this something that you're putting in my heart to do? I would love to do that for you. I'd love to get involved in I'd love to do this kind of stuff. And allow God to help you form an image of your life on the inside of you and begin to feed that, begin to nurture that. Don't look back and see what you didn't do right 10, 15, 20 years ago. Because that person's dead. That person can't hurt you unless you carry that dead body around with you all day long. huh? So let's quit, quit dragging the old corpse around with us. Amen. Let things go. Let God start to plan a good future for you. Amen. Many times we'll have a good thought and then it scares us. And we go, oh my goodness. Huh? Oh, I can't do that. huh? I'm too this. I'm too that. Yeah. Sometimes God puts those in there to shock you over into another realm. So you'll have to believe him for it. Amen. You can't get it on your own. You tried that already. So you have to hold on to him. And, and living in the hope of the future is a good place to be. I mean, sometimes we can just daydream about the great things God's going to use us for. But then your carnal mind will come and slap you and tell you, put that down. That ain't yours. Huh? And make you quit. I think we need to dream more. I think we need to be encouraged to plan more in God and get out of living in the past and living in what we can't do and the, the whatnots and all that kind of nonsense and the fears and the torments. So if we can do that, and that, that comes from a good heart. A good heart knows God possibilities are all over the place. Amen? It's just ours for the taking. It's yours for the asking. Amen? He says, ask anything. 
according to my will what's his will whatever's good for you is his will amen he wants the good things for you he doesn't want to restrict your life he gives you life and that more abundantly going to give you a life you never thought you could have before amen go shock your mind so how does the thief steal our harvest in ecclesiastes 11 we'll go there Ecclesiastes 11. I was thinking about uh, when I was talking about the tithe. I was thinking about um, you know when we started first started to learn about the tithe, and you know we started talk about the soil, and, and somehow the soil got to be not our responsibility, but the preacher's responsibility. Amen. Remember preachers telling us uh, they God told them that people are out there with money to give and they're looking for good soil to give it in. You know, and that's not the word. See what that did? It introduced competition and strife over the tide. See, it's like there's not enough for everybody to go around. So now we got to pick and choose which ministry to give our money to. You understand what I'm saying? And I think it caused a lot of disrespect for people in their local churches. It caused a disrespect because if if a church is good enough for you to come to on a regular basis, it's good enough to receive your financial. Amen. I just want to say that, put that out there, because if, if we have sown spiritual, it's a small thing to receive your carnal fruits. You're not giving the big end. You're receiving the big end. Amen. And I know there's some very fine ministries out there, but they're not pastoring ministries. They're teaching ministries. Amen. And teachers are plentiful in the body of Christ. But to find a good pastor that looks out for you and you feel you can grow and you can trust that person, that's not that often. Because many times they are pastoring many, many sheep. And the ones that really need attention don't get much. You understand what I'm saying? The world we live in now, everybody needs a pastor personal pastor on call 24 7 almost uh, or you gonna be sitting up there with iana letting her fix your life you know what i'm saying you, i mean seriously people are really in a mess these days and having a healthy body of believers to rally around you and support you and encourage you amen that's what the church does amen you don't have any enemies in here i don't care who you who you listen to and what you think. Uh, We're not your enemy. We are your friend. We've laid down all strife among us. We're not striving against one another here. You know, there's plenty to go around for everybody. And you can grow and you can learn. Amen? And so it's good to be in an atmosphere where you can grow and you can learn and where people care about you. Let me tell you one thing I have found out about God's people if they will pray for you they love you I don't care how much you don't like them or you don't get along with them or you don't like their attitude or whatever if they will pray for you they love you because there are churches full of people that don't pray for each other don't have a second thought about what your life is about but if you're in an atmosphere where people will go before the throne of grace on your behalf There is love there, and especially if you get answers, amen. 
so we don't strive over things in the body. I'm not striving with another ministry over a tenth of, of what you have. I don't strive with what what is for us, we will get. Amen? And so what we just believe that you are smart enough to know that we're, we're – People are sowing spiritual into your life. They are entitled to your carnal fruits. It's not up to you to withhold anything. So we don't have to compete with anybody else about it. That soil is good enough. If it's teaching you every week, it's good enough soil to uh, to sow into. So praise God. Amen. So I, I just want to clear that up because I just don't believe that you have to run around looking for a right kind of ministry to give money to. You, you know who feeds you. you know, where'd you eat last? You got me? And so you, this is just true. It's just true. And I, I just want to clear that up because that's a wrong way of thinking. Because then what it does, it takes a responsibility off of you to cultivate your own heart. Yeah. See? And it puts a responsibility on the preacher to have an atmosphere that's right for your money to sit into. Now, that makes no sense whatsoever. I'd rather be in charge of my own harvest than to have another man in charge of it. Amen? So as long as you have a right relationship with God, as long as you walk in love and, and you don't, you're not a rebel or anything like that, and when you make mistakes and you stumble, you repent. You ask God's forgiveness and get yourself correct and get yourself right again. You don't have anything to worry about. It's about your personal relationship with the Most High God. So how does the enemy steal our harvest? We're supposed to guard our hearts with all diligence. Don't let anything foreign come in there. Don't let any wickedness, any selfishness, anything like that grow up in there. It's hard, you know. (laughs) I'll think to myself, I said, I enjoy giving, and I do. But it seems like every time I say that, God makes me prove it some kind of way. Huh? I mean, it is true, but then there's a place where you don't have to say it. You know what I'm saying. Certain things you just don't have to, you don't have to go there. You know, just just let your your life speak for you. <laughs> so then, God had me give something, and I enjoyed it. I had a little bracelet I really liked. I thought it was really cute, and then somebody said, and I had been, God had been speaking to me. He said, you're going to get that away. And I said, no, I don't. I like this one. You're going to get it. And so I went around all day wondering, is it them? Is it them? I said, oh, look at Ava. She looked like she's going to ask for it. I'm going someplace else. You know, you start hiding from, from people that look like they get ready to make a faith hold up on your stuff. Huh? <laughs> let me let me get away from her. And then finally the person showed up right when I was getting ready to go to bed. I almost made it to my bed with my little possession. Huh? It's stuff, folks. It's stuff. God loves me so much, he doesn't want me to get attached to stuff. Amen. Amen. He died died to disconnect me from stuff. So as long as I stay connected and free to love him, I'm good. So in Ecclesiastes 11.4, it says, He that observes the wind will not sow, and he that regards the clouds will not reap. Atmospheric conditions cause us to lose on our harvesting amen distractions 
things that will come into your heart that you think are more important than guarding your heart. Hmm? That's why I hate sickness so much. Because if the enemy can, can start getting you focused on yourself and how you feel and all of that, then he can distract you from the main thing that God wants you to have. Where's Ray, come up here a second. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Shirley, why don't you bring your chair up? Bring a chair up here for Pastor Shirley and for Sister McKinney. We get these two little desperados here. I don't know who got who, what from who, but praise the Lord. Yeah, God just showed me why you can't get rid of your cold. So pray your symptoms. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, I curse distraction in the name of Jesus. And I free these women from it. Be healed in the name of distraction. Go. They stay focused on you, Father. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else got symptoms they can't get rid of, this cold thing that's going around? Anybody else? Come on, Chuck. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Take authority over this distraction. Keep you from your main focus, which is loving God and serving God. Father, we say it will not come back a second time. We curse it right now. And we thank you, Lord, for healing these women. Symptoms come back no more. No more. No more. No more. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Praise God. Amen. Amen. So how does the thief steal our harvest? By distracting us, causing us to observe conditions, symptoms, whatever's going on in the natural atmosphere. He takes it away from the spiritual. See, when you guard your heart, you're defending the spiritual atmosphere and your spiritual um, condition. You're protecting your spiritual condition. That's our job to do. God is not going to make you listen to the word. He's not going to put the word on the inside of you. He's not going to make you meditate on the word. He's not going to do any of that. But you have to protect it. One of the ways we protect it is consider not. Amen. You don't consider certain things. You don't let them draw your attention away from guarding your heart. And so what the enemy is trying to do is fill us with doubt, unbelief, and, and so it diminishes our harvest. It takes a bite out of our harvest. And so, or it delays the harvest, or it causes us not to be as enthusiastic about the harvest. You know how it is when you first pray a prayer, you're excited because you have an answer, you know something's coming, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. But just like any, any seed that you sow, it takes time for it to grow. Amen? And that season that it's appointed for you to harvest it in may be some time away. And so waiting on patience is what causes us to endure and still guard our heart. See, as you guard your heart, patience develops. That's pretty much the only way it develops is by the work of guarding your heart. So you guard your heart, and then you kind of start to realize, well, really, God has not got me here for the goodies. He's got me here for relationship. You've know? got to have relationship with God for this to make any sense to you. So as you spend time in the Word, you start to understand more about God. As you meditate on the Word, you start to understand the effect that the Word has on your thinking, it has on your, your peace of mind, on your well-being, all of those things. You'll start to understand that. And so when we start to, uh, when we tend to our heart and not be distracted, then we are observing spiritual conditions and not natural. And when we are distracted, we start to observe natural conditions. So by observing conditions and making plans and conclusions based on natural observations and occurrences, we miss our harvest, diminish our harvest, or we lose strength for the harvest. And that's the other part of it, too. You ever get yourself worn out and you don't care if you ever get it or not? I've been there. You'll, you'll go there many, many times, folks, because, <laughs> amen, because we have, and we don't realize we're distracted. See, your carnal man likes to watch over the promises of God, too. Uh-huh. Because he wants to get in there and start kicking it and enjoying stuff in a carnal sense. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Your carnal man. He's like, you know how to, they say the condemned man ate a hearty supper. That's him. He wants to eat a hearty supper at your expense. Amen. He knows he's condemned to, he's not going to live anymore. But he keeps wanting to have a last fling. You know, I'm going to tie a big one on before I, you know, before we die, we're going to go down partying or whatever. He always wants you to do one last thing. 
or this is small. He'll diminish the importance of what he wants, even though he'll fight you tooth and nail for it. Well, if it's such a small thing, why are you fighting me so hard for it? See, a small thing can take you down. Amen. He'll do things like that. You know, well, you know, you don't have to, you'll make up your mind. I need to start saving money. I'm going to quit spending so much. Okay, well, we're going to do that <laughs> next week. Are we gonna do that? What What could, oh, this is a good sale. That's what always gets me. This is a good deal. Well, I have them coming to mind to email five and ten of them a day. You know, everything's a good deal when it shows up in your email. And so we have to have kind of like extreme discipline not to let this carnal man get ahead of us because God will, if you commit these things to God, he'll give them to you. Huh? But see, the man of the flesh don't like waiting for anything. Oh, we we going to be old by the time we get that. We ain't going to be able to enjoy that. Huh? Huh? So you sometimes you just have to wait him out and let him get old. Huh? But he'll still be bugging you. I think I got to, this is my bucket list, Barb. Let's do this again, huh? Of course. He wants to live. So you have to guard your heart against the advance of the selfish man, the man of flesh, the man of fear. All of those attitudes will advance on you and choke out the word. The Bible says that. It chokes out the word, causes it not to be as fruitful. So he will make us believe that there is no harvest or you can't wait for it. It makes no sense to wait for it by drawing our attention to circumstances and conditions. He gets people by, you know, you know, the marriage thing, you know, oh, you know, you got to do this while you're young. You know, everything, everything is, is while you're young, uh-huh. Uh, you know, there's some some old some old favorite songs. Uh, youth is wasted on the young, amen. Uh, because when you're young, you don't have enough smarts to enjoy things the right way. You got me. So it seems like life is always upside down in some ways because we're interested in things, but we don't have the wisdom to really enjoy them, take care of them, all that kind of stuff when we're young. You're afraid of getting old because you think you won't enjoy things. It's just like that until you commit everything to the Lord. And then life will finally start trying to make some sense to you because God will help you with that. So observing circumstances and conditions. Matthew 14, if you'll turn there. Matthew 14. You know the story of Peter asking Jesus if he can come walk out on the water with them. <clears throat> and this is a true story. Who would, who would believe that a mere man would have the faith of God like that, that he could do the exact same thing that Jesus did? Wow. This is, this, and this is where we, we can, we'll wrestle with getting our harvest because who would believe some of the things that God says he's going to use people to do? You got me? Who would you really believe that God is going to use you to do the things that he has said he's going to use you to do? Would you really believe that God is going to bless you with some of the things that he said? So it says in verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. 
So here is the uh, observing the elements aspect of this. So they see Jesus out there walking and they're troubled. Everybody's thinking something different about why he's out there. They were saying it's a spirit and they cried out for fear. But right away Jesus spoke to them saying be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said Lord if it's you bid me to come out there with you on the water. And he said come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But there was a distance between them. This is the seed in the harvest. There's a distance there. The distance of time is what's going to cause us to be distracted and either not believe for the harvest, not be as strong in gathering it in, to faint, to lose heart. It's that distance walking toward Jesus that got Peter. Amen. If he had been able to just keep walking and go real fast, he'd have had it, just like all of us. If you could pray today and get it this afternoon, you wouldn't have a problem. But there's that distance, and that distance really uh, is the strength of your faith. Because Peter, anybody can get out of the boat and have that initial contact of faith with God. But how many of us can be sustained in our walk with God to get to the promise? Peter asked Jesus if he could come out there where he was. Can I come to you? His faith said something different, though. Huh? That's like we do sometimes. We ask God for stuff. God, I want it because I want to do so and so and such and such. You liar. <laughs> Peter said, I want to come out there because you out there. I want to be with you, Jesus. But really, he wanted something else jumping out that boat. We're not sure what it was. But if there was faith there for him to get to Jesus... But after he got out of the boat, his faith kind of petered out. Why? Because there's always two motives in what stuff we do. And I tell you, your carnal man wants in on the goodies too. So we're part spiritual, part carnal when we ask for stuff. Come on, y'all. We're, 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 we're mixed in our motives for desiring things. Because on every prayer, your carnal man is riding in there looking at your prayers. Ooh, when we get this, ow! Huh? Yeah. We gonna be popping there. God, you better not mess around and give me that kind of job where I can get that kind of money. Woo! I'm gonna be trouble. Huh? I'm gonna go around to all my old bosses. Huh? I'm gonna go, let's cuss them out, day. Yeah. Take my big checkbook with me. Huh? Sure. So we'd say Peter was mixed in his motive. Because if he, it would be a whole different story if, if what was in his heart was just pure stuff. If that's all was in there, Jesus, let me come out with you. He'd have taken them steps all the way over there and he would have touched Jesus and they'd have walked around out there, walked back with a whole different story. But like many of us, his motives mixed. 
That's why you need time between seed and harvest. You need time to get your motives right so you can pull the harvest in. You need time to get the tickle off of your prayer. You know what I'm saying? That thing. You need to get, get that straightened out, see? Because if it's purely for God motive, instant. That's why we have to wait on things. Is because God has to straighten out our motive a little bit. You know, and show us some things. Because then there's living in the prayer. What would what would Peter have done when he got out there with Jesus? See, when he finally got there, what was his plan after that? See, he had none, right? Huh? But for every prayer we pray, God has a plan for maintaining that thing after we get it. And this is where the fun leaves. See, this is where your flesh man dies. Huh? Because we we want a nice house and we'll have a big house warming and have all the saints over and do this and do that. But the saints can't hold your hand for 30 years while you pay that mortgage month after month. After month. So, so God gets, before he'll release that to you, he will get you sober about the responsibility and get you trained in his ways so that you can be consistent with your job. You can be consistent paying your bills. You can be consistent doing the things that it takes to make. You can be consistent in your giving to him. You got me? So that you can ensure that you will have health to get up every day to go to a job. That when you go, you won't be a casualty when you get there like so many people that go in and don't come out or go in and come out on a stretcher. You understand what I'm saying? And so these are the things that God develops in us in that time waiting for when we uh, first plant that seed and when we receive our harvest. And so God wants us to be good stewards of the manifold wisdom of God, many faceted wisdom that he gives us so that we won't be in a place of sorrow for blessings that we have because we're not able to maintain and sustain them. So in Peter's case, who would believe that man really has the faith of God? So it proved to all of us that Mark 11:23 is right. It's possible. Have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. Have the faith that moves mountains. Have the faith, excuse me, that believes that what you can have what you say. That's the faith of God. So we had to have some evidence somewhere in the Bible that that faith was accessible to us. And this is our evidence. He did the exact same thing that Jesus did over the elements. Amen. They were doing the exact same thing that Jesus did in their healing ministry, in their preaching ministry, in their authority over devils. But can you have authority over the elements and make sure you know that Mark 11:23 is for you? Why don't we turn there real quick? It says, this is after they saw that Jesus had cursed the fig tree, which he gave him authority over the elements, okay, over the the, uh, natural growth of the earth. And he said, have faith in God. When they marveled, 
that this had happened so quickly, he said, have faith in God. In other words, forget your own personal faith. This is not about you, but I put my faith over in the one who could do these things. Just like Peter did when he walked to Jesus. He put his faith over in Jesus. He said, if that's you, tell me to do this and I'll do it. That's the same thing that we do when we pray. God, if this is you putting this on my heart, tell me to pray this way and I'll pray it and I'll expect you to bring it to pass. Got me? It's not about me anymore. It's about you bringing it to pass. And I know that if I'm willing and obedient and I do the things that are pleasing to you, I'll see it come to pass. See, that's It's as simple as that. It's all we need to do is totally believe God. He said, I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Here we go. This is our responsibility. Not letting doubt creep into your heart where you faint and walk away from what you say you want to see come to pass. Amen. And so he says, that's your responsibility is not to doubt in your heart. Well, I never saw anybody have anything like that. Don't block your heart from receiving the promises of God. That's what he's saying. Don't put up a defense against it. Just because you, this is what separates the the people who finally wind up billionaires from the people who just play around with it. Is that they quit letting their heart doubt them. For every person that's had had a bankruptcy, somehow they let doubt creep in their heart that they would make it through that difficult time. Y'all don't have to believe me. Listen, I can go over there to Cupcake and talk to her. We'll have a they don't treat me right session. But that's all. You'll talk to many people and say, well, I just got discouraged or I got disheartened and I didn't. There's nothing wrong with it. It happens to everybody. But what do you do eventually? Do you get up and keep going or you just sit there and wallow in it? We got no business to wallow. Did you hear what I said to you? You got no business to wallow in anything. God's not bringing your mistakes up to you. He's trying to get you to shake off, shake it up, shake it off, get up and keep trying. See, we put too much stock in us. That's our main failing. Amen. Your main failing was wearing your promise on your sleeve. Trying to show it to everybody before you had a good grip on it. God doesn't prosper you for me. I can't spend your paycheck. You get that paycheck. It's, it's between you and God what you do with your life. Now I'm here to help you and I'm here to encourage you to do what God, what you feel God is putting on your heart to do. But it makes no difference to me if you're a millionaire or, or whatever. Yes, it does. No, it's a joke. Oh, wake up, everybody. You know what I'm saying. But it makes no difference. I mean, what's it going to do for me? You know. Now, see, this is, this is a big deal for some preachers. Do you know some people get real excited about who's sitting in their pews? 
I wouldn't want to mess with an athlete's money or none of them with 10 babies out there somewhere. You know, by the time I get the tithe, it's real small. I'd rather deal with somebody just working a regular job. Being consistent. Instead of trying to pray some millionaires up in there. Get real, folks. You know what? My portion God will give to me. I don't care who's sitting out there. You understand what I'm saying? My first audience was my bathroom mirror. I can always go back there again. You know what I'm saying? Please. Carnality. We have to watch it. Because many times, this imaginary they that follows us around. You know, that imaginary audience is what they think. They think you don't have nothing. Or they think you broke. They think you this. Or they think you that. Do you really think there's real people? The same devil that tells you that they about you tells me the same thing about me. It's the same they. It's a horde of devils that haunts you day and night. Trying to get you to obey them. Huh? What you do is between you and God. If you fail at something, go to God and see if he'll give you another chance. When you get enough confidence on the inside of you to swallow your pride and gulp real hard and say, God, can I try this again? See, the difference between uh, Nola, between you and Donald Trump, is he keeps trying again. That's the only difference. And you got God. You got more than he's got. You understand what I'm saying? He keeps trying again. I said he keeps trying again. Huh? He keeps trying again. Why does he keep trying again? There's something in his heart that tells him it's possible. And there should be the same thing in your heart and more that tells you it's possible. Better than sitting up looking goofy and spaced out and... Full of self-pity and whining all the time. And feeling gunky all the time. Huh? Full of self-pity. Oh, I just can't get up. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The blood of Jesus is your get over. Huh? You lawyer up on that. Job was in worse shape than you'll ever be. Sat up there and ran his mouth and listened to his friends. That's the they. The horde of devils that'll sit up and talk to you if you listen to them. Huh? Oh, it must be something wrong with your life, Job. Job's sitting up there defending himself. He don't do no wrong. They tell him all the wrong he's done. Tell them all the experiences they've had in life and all the parables and stuff. And one day God says, shut up, all y'all. See, when God's done with your shenanigans, it's time to do something different. Uh, he'll let you sit up and go through your mind trying to figure, trying to, oh, wonder what I did wrong. You got up. If you'd have stayed in bed, you wouldn't have done nothing wrong. Uh, first wrong thing, get up. <laughs> Second wrong thing, go mess something up. 
third wrong thing. The one right thing you can do is repent and go to God and say, God, I'd have messed this whole thing up. All that money you gave me, don't have nothing to show for it. Listen, everybody's got a story like that. Some of us, more money, less money than others. Don't lament what's, what money's been spent. Ain't your money anyway. God gave it to you if you had it. Am I talking to the right people here? At least you messed up trying to make a living for your family. Look at the prodigal. Hoes, drug addicts, everybody partied on that boy. Whoo, guess what? Guess who had to party tonight? You know who his daddy is? He got all his daddy's money, girl. We're going to spin it all up. And what happened to him? When he repented and went back to his father's house, he put a ring on his finger. Huh? You know, the ring signified you've been re-inherited again. You didn't spend all your daddy's money. Are you kidding me? Your daddy got money to burn. I see that'll help somebody if you listen to it and believe it. You think you're going to bankrupt God? I got news for you. But what about all those people that believed in me and lost their money? Guess what? They're going to believe in you again if God tells them to. Rains on the just and the unjust, just alike. Huh? If nothing else, if you didn't didn't do anything else, learn from your mistakes. Amen. Commit to God and just say, God, I know where I, I messed up. I'm not going to do that again. Just help me to find my way back through that maze of nonsense. Amen. The human flesh falls prey to all human flesh falls prey to nonsense. <laughs> who doesn't if you're afraid of making mistakes you won't do much for God or the devil you understand what I'm saying you won't do much in life period it's called a sin nature it's called blindness we don't see everything we can't see everything so can we really move mountains with our face we sure can we can speak to elements. We can control elements with our faith. We just have to do it with God's wisdom. Amen. God's permission sometimes is different than God's wisdom. Peter had God's permission to get out of the boat. But God's wisdom would have got him all the way to his stated goal. Got me? So we need both. We need his permission. We need. See, we think all we need to do is, you know, all these books you get. When God says no, does God say yes or no? Huh? Does God give you wisdom to know what he's saying? That's what you want. You want to know the answer. You got me? You want to have the wisdom to know what he's saying and what to do with it. We move many mountains. Just think people who read that scripture and believed that mountains could be removed. Well, how do we do it? God gave us the knowledge to create dynamite and explosives to move through mountains. Amen. So you don't have to move them with your eyeballs or 
but it gives you with the same thing. The wisdom of God will un- unveil all of these mysteries to us. Man has done it by developing agents to blast through dynamite. If you read the history, there's well, the DuPont family in, uh, came over here from France were uh, uh, masters of explosives. Uh, you read their family history and see how many got blew up trying to figure out how to. Oh, I guess old Henry. Really? It was a little too much that time. We've got to change the formula. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they still blow up, you know. But, but you know, the, the, it is one way to see that the scripture comes to pass. Other mountains that have been removed in the course of human history. The Roman Empire was a mountain to a lot of people. You hated to see the Romans coming. You got me? Nazis were a mountain in people's lives. They couldn't. There's communists now that, that persecute ministers in foreign countries. Those are mountains that have to be moved. Amen? They can be removed with the faith of God. Amen? So we're always moving mountains with our faith. We want to do exploits. And Jesus says, okay, so what do we do next? Huh? What do we do next? We do usually what humans do when we think about doing something great for God is instead of we don't do what Peter did, but we do what, what the rest of the 11 did. We stand a boat and we watch. <laughs> huh? <laughs> When God tells us to do something or we're going to do something, we don't move immediately. We, we kind of look and we try to see if he really meant it or, you know, who else are you talking to and all this kind of stuff. We, we check our natural surroundings to try and find confidence to step out with God. But there is an initial faith that will rest upon us if we'll go ahead and step out. See, there's a stepping out of the boat that we all do when we believe God for something. There's an initial movement that your faith will cause you to move to get from beyond just the wishing stage and the believing stage. It's not a completion, but it's a step toward it. So we all live this Peter kind of life when we have faith in God. When you put your trust in God, you're just like he was. You decide you don't want to be here anymore, but there's something out there that looks more inviting to you and you want out there. And so everybody has that initial burst of the God kind of faith that comes on you and tells you to move towards something. What do we do? We start with our little confession. I believe I receive it, so I have it. Then we want to go do a little Jericho something and, and set our feet on something. huh? And oftentimes that's as far as we get. If we could go out and collect on all the places our feet have tried where we didn't follow through and pray it through and continue to believe God, we'd be into something. huh? But many times once we step out there one time, instead of seeing what the next move is, we go get back in the boat. And get comfortable and let natural circumstances keep us from moving any further on what God told us. Huh? Some of y'all would be married now if you keep believing God for things. Go get a dress. I, I'm, I'm going, I, I don't want to get married this size. 
just go get the dress, okay? Don't worry about the. You understand what I'm saying? I, I want to lose 30 pounds. Well, you ain't doing that. You might put on 40 before. But he going to love. God will bring somebody here who's going to love all of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ain't waiting on nothing before you step out into the God kind of faith so that God can see your. He wants to see if you really mean what you say you want from him or not. Or are you just talking? Many things we've, we've left out there on the water. Amen? Because we're so secure in the boat. And so we sit and we want to watch and see what's, see who gets married first. Huh? Yeah, let, let her get married. Listen, I ain't getting married again, so don't be looking, stand up here looking at me. You know what I'm saying? You just, don't wait for me all the time. Let somebody else take a turn. Huh? everybody's looking confused now huh but what do we do when we say we want something from god we pray a little bit and then we wait and observe and see if it's going to happen or not you got me we're not waiting in our hearts and allowing god to make that thing more real to us on the inside huh so we sit around and talk about it yeah when i get married i'm gonna have this i'm gonna have that it's gonna be this way it's gonna be that way that's not the way to, to hide it in your heart. That's, that's not the, that just puts it out there as, as rotten seed for somebody to trample on. Amen. What you're really trying to do is seeing if somebody else thinks you can do it. Huh? That's all you're doing. Natural things again. Trying to see what somebody else thinks about what you're going to do. Huh? The minute somebody says you ain't ready yet, then you want to argue with them. You want to have a fight about it. Why? Because it's not in your heart. Huh? Am I making sense to people or what y'all doing back there? Huh? That's what we do. We put it out there to test it to see what somebody else is going to say about it to see if they believe it enough for us. Instead of hiding it in our hearts where it's going to really grow and really do some good. God, if you said you have a husband or a wife for me, I believe you have one for me. And help me to believe that too so that when it's time to know who they are, I will know them when they show up. And I don't let the <laughs> them sisters back there grab them. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I'll let Tanya and Crystal get them, take them over there with their house and their dogs and all they stuff they got. Huh? Get them over there, you never see them again. Huh? That's what it becomes sometimes. It just becomes a carnal contest. Because we don't know what to do with the promise of God once, it, once it's in your heart, it needs to stay there. It needs to rest there. You don't need to be looking for nobody to help you bring it to pass. Huh? You know, the days when we would, me and Pastor Shirley would go get the stray sheep and jack them up in the back seat of the car. Them days is over. We can't all fit back there no more. So don't think we going to go and go caveman style with you and go get your man somewhere. We ain't doing that. Huh? Well, Pastor Bard, liking me must be okay. Don't put that on me. Amen. You got to hide that thing in your heart so that it grows and it gets strength and it gets strong. In a pure heart, a promise of God will grow. 
you know, get that fear out of there. Get that doubt out of there. Get that, that voice that tells you, well, don't nobody want you. Don't nobody want you either, devil. Huh? Half the time, married people don't want they sell. It's just humanity, folks. Don't make a big deal out of it. It's just humanity. Sometimes we wait for an okay to believe something from God. You don't need nobody's okay but your own to accept what God has for you. Huh? Your harvest will come if you continue to nurture that thing in your heart, not in your head, in your heart. Your head will mess it up. Your head will scare you sometimes. So just hide that thing in your heart and meditate on it. Allow God to make it real to you. Don't you try to add to it. Amen. Everybody want what's his name? Lucius. Luscious. Luscious. Luscious Lucian, honey. I know he got. I've seen him in a dream, girl. People who wait in the boat are really waiting to see what the other guy's faith will produce. Um, that's what the disciples were doing. They were waiting to see what Peter's faith would produce. Many times the thoughts in the eyes of people who you think are waiting to see what's going to happen if you get what you ask God for or not. You understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. Them people are dead. You understand me? Those people don't exist. Nobody's waiting on you, but God is waiting on you to see if you'll believe him and will really want what he has for you. These are spiritual things, folks. We can't obtain them by carnal means. But those, they, are, they are observing people who are watching you, are observing the wind to, in the rain to see which way it's going to blow to see if they can get something off God. You understand what I'm saying? Ignore that. This is a holy thing. It is between you and God whether or not you have strength to get your harvest. When we step out in faith, where do we go? How far do we allow our faith to take us? It's up to you. Peter could have walked all the way over to where Jesus was, but his faith was mixed. It was in God to start out, but then after a while, it started to get shaky and nervous. It could have been the elements for any of us. It can be outside elements. It can be the the job market condition. It can be the, the condition of the place where you work, whether or not they laying people off or whether or not they're keeping people on, all that kind of stuff. You don't observe any of that stuff. You stay with what God put in your heart. You'll get a harvest if you'll stay focused on what he put on the inside of you and what he has told you about what he's going to do for you. We get distracted by, by people's attitudes, by, you know, you get into a job situation. If it looks like people don't like you, when are you going to wake up, Christian? Nobody likes us. Huh? Now, you can get involved in the love of God with the saints, but this like business is cheap. You understand what I'm saying? You can come in there and not smile right at people and they don't want to speak to you again. People get fall out. Well, I couldn't believe they didn't give me nothing for the baby shower. You understand what I'm saying? You can do things not, not intending to offend people and lose the like principle. 
So they're going to dislike you. Quit trying to make people. You ain't there anyway. You're there to collect a paycheck. You're not there to be liked. Sometimes you might have to be the meanest person in the place to survive. Huh? I worked with a woman, woman many years ago, and she uh, was a nurse. This was in nursing, and she, was, she had a military background. And so she was one of those kind of serious type persons anyway, and she would come into the, you know, the coffee lounge or something and sit, and then after a while she just didn't show up anymore. And so I was working with her one night, and I asked her, I said, you don't come in there and, and rest or nothing? She said, mm-mm, just don't need to. And so then one day she just confided in me. She said, I realized that all people did in there was gossip and backbite, and I made up my mind I wouldn't get invited, get involved in that. Amen? She wouldn't get involved in it. And I believe that's where most Christians need to be, to make up our minds we don't want to get involved in things then that purifies your heart in the workplace. And you don't have to be worried about who likes you and who doesn't like you in order to think you can keep your job that way. You understand what I'm saying? You rise above that that kind of of, uh, mentality about prospering and and about being successful. If your ways please God, he'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. you. You you want peace. You don't want that little... They like to see you coming, and they're friendly with you, and they speak to you. Talk to yourself. Talk to your God. Amen? She sat back there, and she read or something, and she didn't mess with a soul, and nobody messed with her. You got me? So we can really move mountains with our faith. Don't be the person in the boat who waits and observes everything before you move out. Amen? Because you'll see everything goes by you, and you don't get involved in anything. Our faith will take us as far as God wants us to go when we initially get started. And from that point, you have to be satisfied. If your faith has taken you to door number one, and that's as far as you can get, be peaceful about it. Don't go banging on more doors and, oh, I wonder what's wrong now. How come it's taking so long? You understand what I'm saying, how we do you're to stay uh, in, in the realm of faith with God. Keep your heart pure. Don't let doubt creep in. Because what God is doing, he's testing you to see if you'll stay faithful to what you told him you initially desired. And if you can stay faithful to that over a long period of time, then your harvest will be easy to pull in. You got me? Your harvest will be there almost before you know it, and it won't take much energy to pull it in. Because it'll be right there because you kept it in the center of your heart and you haven't let doubt, unbelief, fear, anger, all that stuff creep in to where you, where you start accusing God of not wanting you to have anything. You got me? So our faith will take us to the point of distraction sometimes because the thief is telling us to consider things that he brings to our attention. The thief is always showing you things that would, would get your attention away from the promise of God. And that's when you rebuke him, you tell him, tell him to leave you alone, and you stay with what's in your heart. It's got to stay in your heart. He'll tell us we're not smart enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not desirable enough. And don't follow up on that trying to make yourself smarter or prettier or more desirable. Because if that were an issue, God God never promises anything to us based on some future condition. 
I'm going to say that again. He never promises anything based on some future condition. Amen. He does it based on the faith that we have in our hearts now. If God, if you need preparation for something, God will have you prepared already. You'll know already it's in your heart to do these things. But he wants, sometimes he wants to be glorified. He wants to take the foolish things of this earth to confound the wisdom of the wise. You know when God looks at your situation and says, they, they haven't done much more for themselves than they did when I met them, but I made them wise. I made them knowledgeable. I made them understand unique things. I made them all these things. Whatever man gives you, he can take away from you. Amen. There's so many people, their, their degrees are obsolete now. Their learning is obsolete. Why? Because man gave it to them. When God gives you something, it lasts forever. You don't have to, it doesn't depend on the marketplace whether or not something is right for you or not. You know, I was telling somebody, I said, man, I said, I could renew my nursing license. <laughs> you know, I'll go in there and see all these Gosh, you got IVs and bags now. You know, it used to be bottles. You know what I'm saying? Ah, look at all this stuff. I kill somebody. You know what I'm saying? But but because why? Because learning gets obsolete after a while. There's so many advances that come. But God's wisdom is there forever. You understand me? What he gives you is eternal. What he gives you will always work for you. And he'll make people who are responsible to hire you not care. I could tell you the jobs I got turned down back in the day when they could just do it indiscriminately. I was qualified and skin color kept me out. That don't change. You understand what I'm saying? But God can get you in there no matter. People can discriminate you based on anything. You know, one year it'll be against women, the next it'll be against men. They can they can put anything in there. But God breaks down those barriers for us. You understand me? Don't put anything above what God can do for you. Joshua 1.8, what's it tell us to do? And this is the last thing you need to know for your harvest. Only be strong and very courageous. Why? Because it's going to take courage to pull your harvest in from God. Galatians 6 tells us that we will reap. Don't get weary and well. Don't let waiting tire you out. That's what it says. Don't let waiting tire you out. It's not your season. You can't pull in a harvest of something that's not ripe yet. God wants you to wait until it's ripe. What determines the ripeness of your harvest? It's not always time, but it's maturity. Huh? It's this thing. It's your courage. Are you courageous enough to be able to handle all the responsibility that comes with the elevation that you'll get in the natural realm? Are you courageous enough to not listen to the flattery of men or the discouragement of men as you go through life? Are you courageous enough to stand with God and just believe that God has placed you here for his divine reason and his divine purpose? So this is the courage you have to have. It's not, you know, you can, you can go out and whip a couple of lions and all this kind of stuff. It's not about that. But the courage to withstand the elements, to withstand the wind and the rain that comes against you, to withstand the they 
telling me that I can't do this or they don't want me to have this or they don't want me to do this. My younger sister Jackie, she had a habit of standing, well, y'all don't want me to do anything. No, you don't want you to do anything. And I was so thankful when she started coming to the meetings and got under the word. She just enjoyed the word. She enjoyed life finally. And she wasn't hindered by the they don't want me crowd. Huh? That keeps people from going forward. There is no they, folks. It's just a horde of devils that speak to you when God's told you something that he has for you. Then you can expect the enemy to come up and tell you something different. To stop you from stepping out of the boat so that you can get over there where Jesus is. Because he has everything for us. He has everything. We just need to keep walking. Amen. No matter what stands in front of us, we keep walking. Be strong and of good courage, amen. Courage to do good and expect good. Be that way at all times. Just believe that God has, if it's, I don't care what it is you think God has for you. You want more things now. People who have things always want more. They're accomplishers. And it's a good thing. We need people who want to accomplish. We got enough fearful people out here already messing stuff up. So we need courageous people. And sometimes your courage is going to cause you to leave the familiar and step out of the boat into the unfamiliar. And know that if God has told you, he'll stay with you when you step out of that boat. You won't have to be out there by yourself. Ask him to walk with you through these things. Amen. Because he's there to help us and he's there to guide us and strengthen us. Praise God. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Praise God. Father, I thank you. I hope that you have allowed me to share with people what you've given me fully, Lord, so they can understand the strength that it needs, that they need to stay with you in this harvest season. It's a great season. The Jeremiah 9.13 season is wonderful. But, Lord, we can't stay where we are any longer. We need to have courage and strength and expectation to see good ahead of us and go toward it. So I thank you, Lord, for great expectation coming up in the hearts of your people that this is just not something to say we believe, but we can all partake of it and care who we are. It's all for all of us. And we love you and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up here. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.